0: Well, praise the Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time of worship. So glad to be back with you, loved ones. Let's open up our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Here we are continuing on, Lord willing. There's just a couple weeks left in our series called Jesus Over the Church living in uncommon community. And so we need to lock this in because I don't want this to be just a Saturday night thing that we remember or a series thing that we remember, but a day-to-day, season-to-season. What does the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, call us to be in living in uncommon community? You'll see it on the screen. Let's say it together. Ready? Let's go, church. God's people living out God's word together by God's spirit for God's Glory, that is what the church is called to be right there. That is, you take all the one another's in the New Testament, 30 to 41 another's, they are summed up in that one statement. God's people living out God's word together by God's spirit for God's glory. And today, today we are going to see so clearly from God's word that an uncommon community is to be marked by an uncommon training. Training of what? Training of the next generation. Training of every single one of the next generation, the children that God has entrusted to us. Hey, children, kids, hands up. Hands up to show you're here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at these hands coming up all over the room. Look at this all over the place. And this is just a snapshot of the number of kids that are in this church. And guess what? Hey, kids, I want you to know something. Here's your big idea for tonight. You are loved and you are an entrustment from the Lord to this church. You are not a bother. You are not an inconvenience, kids. Boys and girls, love you so much. Hey, you are not an inconvenience. You are... Yeah, that's right. You are loved. You are not an inconvenience. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, little man, by a God who loves you and who calls us to uphold the sanctity of life. Amen? And He's got a special purpose for you. And it's our mission that God has mandated to give us to declare to you and the rest of the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord that you would set your hope in God. Amen? That's it, church. That's the calling. Don't believe me. Psalm 127 verse 3 says children are a heritage from the Lord. What's that? A blessing from the Lord. An entrustment from the Lord. Whether they're your kids biologically or you're in the church where there is children. We are a family. The Hope Ottawa is the family of God. And every single one of these children entrusted to this church is an entrustment to you. If you are a part of it. And me. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Hey, parents, let's make no mistake. Let's get one thing clear. Parents love you so much. I need to hear this every single day. Listen, uh, you are the primary disciples of your children. You have been given that mission before God that you are to bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord as their primary disciples. You cannot offshoot that to the church and and escape that responsibility. No question. But church, we have a God-given mandate. A God-given mandate to ensure that we are coming alongside each family. We are coming alongside each child to proclaim the gospel to them on our lips and how we live our lives. The Christ-like character and see them brought up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids, whether you think you're good with kids or not. Hey, listen, if you are saved in Jesus Christ, here's the reality we need to understand and stop making excuses of. If you are saved in Jesus Christ, you are called to disciple the next generation. Jesus is really good with kids. Can we all agree on that? Praise the Lord. Jesus is really good with kids. And guess what? If you are saved in him, he lives in you. So none of this, I can't serve in kids ministry. I can't disciple kids. I'm just not really good with them. He's good with them. Show up. Can we just dispense with the excuses? And then we'll start to be able to hear from God's word rightly. Love you so much, church. Because here's what we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen. Children's discipleship is a community effort. The training of children is a community effort. And here's the truth. You say, okay, well, that's great. We'll start when we have Hope Kids Ministry starting again. Hey, look around you. Hope Kids is in full swing. It may not be in a separate offshoot ministry downstairs somewhere in classrooms being taught that. It's happening right here. Hope Kids Ministry is in full swing. It's not, well, I'll wait till I start up during the service. Listen, right now it's in full swing. Hey, hey, how about babysitting for parents who have kids? about offering to babysit and not just sit there and take your phone and be like okay kids go to bed I'm just going to scroll away but taking that opportunity to say hey what's God teaching you these days can I tell you what I'm learning in my devotions well kids is in full swing hanging out with kids Praying with kids. You know, I love my, chil- my children come after, literally, I think it's been every single Saturday night for the two months since we started meeting here, there's one young man in particular who will remain nameless, but he goes downstairs and he plays dodgeball and gets rocked in the head, and he's there, and they're like, man, that guy's incredible. Children can tell And they're like, I just, I just love hanging out with him. Like, he just shows me, literally, he shows me Jesus. Every week. Why is it so important we realize this right now? Children's discipleship, a community effort. Listen, because there's a real problem. There's a real problem in the church and in this world. And what's that? We face it every day. You see it on the news, every headline pretty much. And it's this. We outsource the training of our children to the world. Even us claiming the name of Christ so often just outsource the training of our children to the world. And so easily, so easily buy into this culture's idea of what a good childhood should entail. Make the things of this world a priority over the church. You got hockey? You got basketball? You got this? Hey man, I, I, hey, I used to be a sports coach. I used to play them all the time. Got nothing against sports. But what priority do they have what entertainment choices? What about all this? See, we've bought into this idea of what good childhood really means. Sign them up for everything. Do this. Just keep, even if it means they stay out of church. That's not from the Lord. You see, often, the training of our children in and outside of the church, in our homes, looks so common to the rest of the world. As we allow children that God has entrusted to us to be trained in what the world says they should give attention to, time to, efforts to, priority to, and affections to. Hey, Hope Ottawa, love you so much. Get your eyes up here. What about what Christ calls us to teach them? What about, what about his priority? What about that? Where's that? On the priority list. And what's the result of this? Well, you see it, loved ones, you see it all around us. The results are devastating. We are now growing up in an age, living in an age where children are confused and deceived. Increasingly, morals are suffering. And these children increasingly in droves are turning away from God because of it. And parents, I just hope in church, I hope this is such an encouraging message. You say, man, but you don't understand the good news of the gospel until you realize what we're up against and the bad news of when we turn away from it. And I hope this is so encouraging for you because it's so easy to look at the news. It's so easy to hear the stats and all the stuff, see what's happening and be so intimidated and fearful, isn't it? Let's just be honest. So intimidated so fearful, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my children? Hey, hey, as we see this secularism and, and relativism invading our homes, the church, and our culture. Hey, can I just encourage you with this, so loved ones? Hey, ready? Ready? Here's some great news tonight. Hey kids, you ready for some great news? Say yes if you're ready. Uh-huh. Yeah, here we go. Ready? Jesus has an incredible plan for your discipleship. And it is a plan that will stand true no matter what comes against it. Why? Because it's based on the authority of God's word. And Jesus has given us the uncommon blueprint for the training and instruction of children that will endure no matter what comes against it. And he he promises to bless it and use it for his glory. But here's the big idea we're about to unpack. Ready? See it on the screen. Write it down. The people of God... Must diligently train their children in God. Lock that on your hearts, loved ones, straight from God's word. The people of God must, it's not an option, must diligently train their children in God. If I could sum it up, I'd say this We cannot be silent. I'll say it again. We cannot be silent, church. And so, here in our text today, we're going to see three truths that we must increasingly grow in and commit to with fervency and faith and love and conviction and courage in Christ's power if we are to be faithful in the God given mission in training up the next generation to know Him. You ready to go? Let's stand honor the authority of God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 9. Let's read this together. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, the first thing we see here in verse 4 is this. To train up children in the Lord, the church must be a community that declares one thing. There's only one God it serves. There's only one God it serves. See, our allegiance is to be to God alone. Here's the question confronting you and I today. Individually, as families, as the body of Christ, what's taking his place? Where's your allegiance divided? Where is it divided? Let's get our context. It's been almost 40 years since Israel left Egypt, crossing the Red Sea. And all the first generation, with the exception of Caleb, Joshua, and Moses, has died, and Jerusalem, Israel, is is encamped on the east side of the Jordan River. You'll see a pic here on the plains of Moab, on a place called Shittim. So they're on the east side. They're just about to cross. They can literally see the Promised Land. They can smell it. Forty years of wandering, and now here they are poised to enter the promised land. And the book of Deuteronomy, we have to understand this, loved ones, the book of Deuteronomy takes place during the last few weeks of Moses' life. Moses, as you recall, wasn't going to enter the promised land. And the book of Deuteronomy is a series of sermons or speeches that have been put together that Moses is giving to the people before he dies. Remember in John 13, going through the gospel of John this past year, we looked at Jesus' farewell discourse in the upper room. Well, this is Moses' farewell discourse right here. The book of of Deuteronomy. Now, if you were about to leave people, people that you love very much, never see them again on earth, would you want to waste time in conversation talking about things that didn't matter? It's like the last conversation you're ever going to have with them. What would you say? What would you say? The most important thing you could. I want to leave you with the most important thing, the greatest truth that I can give you And this is what Moses is doing here. This is why Deuteronomy, the focus of it, is to give God's law to the new generation. The old generation got it on Mount Sinai. Now the new generation is getting it at Shittim. And Moses' purpose is to lay out God's implications and commands for the people as they enter the land that he promised to give them. What's that? The land of Canaan. And they were words, Deuteronomy is filled with words of both warning and wisdom. And through them... God tells what he's promising to bless and build their nation through. Individually, as families, as a whole, if they would do them. If I could sum up the book of Deuteronomy, what Moses is saying here is this. If the people stayed faithful to the Lord in these things, he would not only bless and build the nation in their own generation, but in the generations to come. can't stop this. You can't stop this. That's good news for us today. They had a responsibility to teach the word to the coming generations. And so, this part of the text, verses four to nine, is called the Shema. Can you say that with me? Shema. There's some Hebrew for you. Shema means to hear. All right. And it is part of, even to this day, the Jewish confession of faith that the community of the Jews recites twice per day. And what does it do? Why do they do this? Because it makes clear the command that it is a priority for the community, the community of God's people to have in training up the next generation. So look how Moses starts this verse four. Go back to the text. He says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now notice something right off the top. He says, Hear, O Israel. He doesn't say, Hear, oh, parents. He doesn't say, just hear those who have kids. What's he doing? He's addressing the community, the nation. Hear, oh, Israel. The word hear there, if you circle it, it means listen to or pay attention to this. This is how he kicks it off to this truth that will set the foundation and trajectory for all else that is about to follow. Pay attention to this truth. And what is the truth? It is this, the Lord. Look at the text. The Lord, that is all capitals, L-O-R-D, every time you see that, that's Yahweh, one of the highest names for God, Yahweh, your God is one. What does he mean by that? It is a declaration of allegiance Moses makes here. Allegiance that declares there is only one God and Yahweh is him. There's only one. And Yahweh is him. And he says he is to be the object of your wholehearted and undivided worship, allegiance, and devotion. Because here's the truth we've got to realize. The Israelites are facing the same thing you and I are facing. This is why context is so key. That you read the Bible in context. Because the Israelites, remember, they're about to enter the land of Canaan, where they would be tempted to worship false gods the Canaanites had made for themselves. They're about to be confronted with a whole slew, 10,000 foreign gods that they're going to be tempted to worship. And so they're going to be tempted with this whole, what's called polytheism, that I can worship the true God, but I can also worship all these other gods. Baal, Asherah, you name it. I can worship them and worship God. It doesn't work that way. Moses says, the Lord is one. There's one God. It's not this divine buffet of you can have it your way, worship who's convenient when it suits what you want. See, and today, let's bring that into today. There's, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Look at some of the, let's look at some of the gods of the Canaanites here. That they, were, they would be tempted to worship. And as I said, there's roughly about 10,000. But hey, good news. Uh, I summed them up for us. So we're not going to go through every single one of them right now. But you'll get the picture. Gods of, ready for this? See if, they, see if you can relate to today. Ready? Gods of food. Gods of prosperity. Anyone relate even from those two today? Mm Mm-hmm. How about this? Gods of wealth. Make wealth your God. Make wealth your idol. Here's another one. Gods of peace. Anything in this world promising peace right now that can't give it? Lots. How about this? Gods of health. Gods of fertility and sex. Think that's pretty rampant in our culture today? Uh Uh-huh. Gods of fertility and sex. Gods of protection and security. Gods of love and relationship. Gods of position and success. If you worship this, you'll get the success and position that you want. You think that's around today? Gods of strength. Gods of comfort. Hey, hey, just look around, loved ones. Are we not tempted day in and day out, moment by moment? To give our allegiance to these same small g gods. Every day. The marketplace thrives on us giving into that. And what it sells. We're tempted to worship them. And instead of our homes, instead of our churches and lives declaring increasingly that our allegiance is to God alone, so often... Each of these resemble allegiance to the attitudes, actions, expectations, and values of this world. Instead of being our one God, the Lord is one, the Lord has become one of many that we try to serve with a divided allegiance. I can serve God yeah, I'll serve God when it's convenient here, but I'm going to serve my position and status and put God on hold while I go chasing this for a while. Hey, I'm a student, and don't you know, Pastor Ray, I have exams. So during exam period, I don't open my Bible and keep my quiet time uh, a priority because, man, those textbooks need to get the worship. It's all around us. And let's humble ourselves, loved ones. And confess this before the Lord. Because then real change happens. See, here's what we got to understand, Hope Ottawa. What you and I put first. Hey, kids, kids, eyes up here. Eyes up here. Love seeing you. Look at this. There they are. There they are. Uh-huh. Yeah, come on. Remember this, okay, loved ones? Ready? What you and I put first is going to order the rest what you and I put first, what you put first, is going to order the rest. And listen, loved ones, whatever you say has the authority, you'll see it on the screen, will become your priority. Whatever you say has the authority over your life, in your home, or in the church, will become your priority. So how about you? How about me? This was such a gut check and heart check for me this past week, uh, just in humility, hey, what are you declaring allegiance to that you're making in your life, in your home? What about us in this church? Does your lifestyle, do your entertainment choices, let's be honest, x-ray questions, here we go, do your entertainment choices, does your hunger for God's word, does your use of time This was added by one of my sons as he was reviewing the sermon with me this morning. It was a good insight from the Lord. Do your thoughts, do your conversations, do the values you uphold, does your fight against sin reflect an increasing allegiance to God alone? Does it? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but there needs to be confession. Or is your life, is your home declaring a greater allegiance to the small g-gods of this world? And you say, well, how do I know? Hey, here's where it starts. Ready? Ask them. Psalm 139, search me, O God. Humble yourself. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And test my anxious thoughts and see where the offensive ways are in me. Where are these small g-gods I'm worshiping? Where, is, where are you not one for me? And then ask the people around you. I love this, this is why we do life in uncommon community. We live this out together. It's like, what would you say based on my conversations, based on my actions, has my, has my greatest allegiance? What would you say in how I live, in how I talk? Just ask your brothers and sisters around you. You see, and then repent. Repent as God in his graciousness reveals that, because this is where all uncommon training starts, to train up children in the Lord, The church must be a community that declares there's only one God we will serve. There's only one God I will serve. The Lord alone. And as an overflow from this, we see that to train up children in the Lord, the church must be a community, number two, ready? Let's go. That demonstrates from the overflow of their allegiance, a love for God above all. They walk the talk. They walk the talk. So question, who you love is shown through how you live. Who you love is shown through how you live. Who does your life show you love the most? Who does your life, who does mine show we love the most? Look at verse 5. Keep going. Verse 5, back to the text. Moses goes on to say, command, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. See, after reminding the people that their allegiance must be to God alone, Moses gives them, I love this, God's central command that all others hang or depend upon. Now, that's significant because there's 613 other commands in the Old Testament law given. And they all hang upon this one, as Matthew 22:37 37 says. And what is it? What's the law? Just look at the text. To love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and might. Now, recall from when we did... Our sermon on Matthew 22, not too long ago, the great commandment, it means this, our complete and total well-being. It means all of us, every part, all we are and all we have. And let's break this down. Okay, let's just break it down. Who we love is shown through how we live. Okay, ready? Ready? Humble ourselves. That means every thought, every thought we're thinking, maybe even right now, when no one else is around you, and you're on the computer. Every thought we have, every feeling we have, every desire, every part of our identity, and all that we are, heart, soul, mind, strength, everything we do, here we go, in every second of our lives, everything upon which our heart is set and our mind is captivated by, here's what this means, will be an increasing expression of our love for God and we'll love nothing else more than him. Hey, question, question. How's it going? Anyone else struggling with this? Maybe just me. Anyone else? Yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate that. There it is. That's right. And let's be honest. Every single one of us is. Every single... Is anyone feeling the need for a Savior right about now? Anyone? Anyone? Man, Jesus is awesome, huh? Jesus is awesome. But how's that going? And then look at 6. So if it's to be an expression of love, then look at 6. And these words that I command you today shall be... There's the command. The Word of God shall be on your heart. See, Moses tells them that this love for God, here it is, is fueled by having His Word on our heart. One of the number one indicators of someone growing in their love for the Lord is they grow in love for his word. Every time. That's what God wants. Of course he's going to lead you there. See, the Hebrew word, or the Hebrew term there means, word on their heart means it is to be perpetually, not just five minutes in the morning, and then I kind of silo God off for the rest of the day, and then I go do what I want to do. The word of God is to be perpetually on our minds, studying it knowing it, meditating upon it, understanding it, and promptly obeying it. Not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer. Promptly obeying it in his power. And you see what happens? This fuels a love for the Lord in our lives. This is the fuel of the Holy Spirit to grow us in our love for God. And this, hey, can I just, we gotta clarify something big time here. This is not out of legalism. It's not like well I got to read my Bible, check my box, I got to obey it. Okay, check my box because then I'll earn greater love and favor with God. That's not what he's talking about at all. Can't do. Everyone say I can't do that. And you can't do that. He's not talking about out of legalism trying to earn favor or salvation, but this is done out of a growing love for the Lord Himself. Because here's what we have to realize. You'll see it on the screen, Church. True obedience. True obedience. Not legalistic. True obedience is only possible out of a response of love to God and not a legalistic requirement to keep for God. Man, do, we ever, do our souls ever need to hear that? Because we are so prone to be like, if I do this, then God will love me more. Listen, if you are saved in Jesus Christ, his love for you is steadfast, it is unchanging. You can't earn it. It's only, True obedience is only possible out of a response of love, not a legalistic requirement. See, a growing love for God, here's what it does. Look at this, how it sums up our series so beautifully. A growing love for God keeps you growing in a love for his word and obedience to it. How? Watch this. Watch this. This is so beautiful. Watch this. A love for God compels us to cling to God's word and live with, ready? Heard this before? Uncommon endurance stirring one another up to love and good deeds. A growing love for the Lord, a clinging to his word, leads us to a greater common endurance, not forsaking to meet together as he commands us to. Uncommon endurance. And what else does it lead to? An uncommon focus. A clinging to God's word, a greater love for the Lord, constantly, increasingly fixes our eyes on Jesus and not the garbage of this world around us that it tries to feed us the distractions, the deception. It focuses our eyes on Jesus as we increasingly live with an eternal perspective. Here's what else it does. A love for God compels us to cling to God's word and live with, ready, an uncommon humility. And when we are clinging to God's word, when we are growing in our love for the Lord, we increasingly say, Lord, your kingdom come, my kingdom go. There's a sign. Increasing humility. Growing in love for the Lord, you're going to grow in love for humility. Living in it. Here's another one. Ready? Growing in love for the Lord, clinging to his word, means we live with an increasingly uncommon devotion. A devotion to the things of the Lord. Remembering the gospel. Cling, devoted to prayer. And a growing love for the Lord is showing a gr- growing love for prayer. Scripture fed, spirit led. The fellowship of the saints, a devotion to that, is out of overflow of a growing love for the Lord. Here's another one. Ready? Love for God compels us to cling to God's word and live with uncommon character. Man, I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to be harsh with people anymore. I don't want to be harsh with my wife and selfish. I don't want to seek some personal agenda. I want the filth of this world to get out and I want to grow in the gentleness and compassion and love and forgiveness and joy and humility of my Savior. You long for those spiritual fruits. It's an indication of a growing love for the Lord. The things of this world, they just grow strangely dim and distasteful. Here's another one. A love for God compels us to cling to God's word. And when God's word is on our heart, here's what what happens. An increasing uncommon speech. A speech of graciousness, not condemnation. A speech used to build people up. Not to tear them down. Not to corrupt. Not to gossip. Not to slander. Not to listen to it but to speak the truth in love with grace. And what does it also lead to? Here it is, a love for God. When God's word is on our heart, leads to an increasing fervency for uncommon training of the next generation. Acts 4.20, I love the disciples. They say, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. There's a growing love for the Lord on display. Can't keep it to ourselves. We have to share it to the coming generation. It's a question. Who you love is shown through how you live. Let's ask again, church. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Who does your life show you love the most? Because here's the truth why this is so important, verses five and six. You'll see it on the screen. Write this down. This is super important. The greatest thing the next generation needs from you, needs from me, needs from us as a church is your growing love for the Lord. Greatest thing is your growing love for the Lord. Your growing love for his word to have those commandments on your heart and increasingly living them out in his power for his glory. Dad, mom, moms, grandmas, grandpas here. Hey, love you so much. You've got a big role. I've got a big role. Church family, we've got a big role in this. And I will say this, the greatest thing the next generation needs from us is not our money. It is not all the sugar we can fill them up with and then send them back to their parents. It's not that. They may like that. In fact, they probably will. But it's not the greatest thing they need. It's not the trip's. It's your growing love for the Lord. Seeing you prioritize what he prioritizes. And to see it on display. Not faking it, but a genuine love for him. And I want to also say to those of you in the church here, and you may think, well, you know, I kind of raised my kids. I'm kind of done. We'll pass that on to the next. Remember this truth. If you're not dead, God's not done. Let's go. Because it's so easy to just hang back. Mm-mm. If you're not dead, God's not done. See, this is the root of discipleship through demonstration. And the truth is, as it has been made very clear, we cannot do it without the power of Jesus Christ in us and through us. This is why he says, abide. Keep this on your heart abide in me moment by moment in prayer in the word in obedience abide and i will empower you and equip you with it all that you will need for what i am asking of you and so our greatest prayer one of our greatest prayers loved ones we could ever pray day after day is this lord help me to love you more today lord help me to love you more than my pride than my position than my sin, than my status, than my preferences, than even my family. Lord, help me to love you more. And Can I just encourage you? I was going through this, reading this text this week, and I'm just feeling like, oh man, do I ever blow it? Anyone else, you look at this past week and you're like, yeah, I blew it. Anyone? Yeah, I blew it too. Hey, um, I want to encourage you with this as I was encouraged when you blow it, hey eyes up here loved ones it's not about perfection it's about perseverance in the power of the spirit I'll say it again it's not about perfection but about perseverance in Christ's power and when you blow it, when I blow it as we will, listen and the enemy comes in by the way did you know did you know the only one more passionate about children, than the devil, is Jesus. And so the devil will chirp away to try to get you to not step into this that that Jesus calls us to. And when he starts to chirp, saying, you think you've got something to offer? Look at what you did. You had your day. You're done. You're just messing up kids. You can't serve and hope kids. You can't mentor a child. Look at you. You're a mess. You think if they discover what you've done in the past, that that's actually going to lead them to Jesus? You're going to wreck them. You need to stay on the sidelines. And listen to me, listen to me, because he's going to do it, loved ones. But when he does in those moments, it is absolutely crucial. We go back to verse 5 and 6. We cling to God's word. We have it on our hearts. And we say, yes, you know what? I may have blown that this week. We repent of it and we say, but I have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. I have been cleansed. I have been chosen. I have been adopted. His love for me is steadfast. It cannot be shaken. He's got a plan. He's got a future. And he's promised all I need for life and godliness as I humble myself before him. He will show his power increasingly. And yeah, I'm a mess here, but it's a new day in Christ. Amen? It's a new day in Christ in your face, devil. And you keep going. You keep going. You say, I could never do that. I could never... keep." going. Repent of what we need to repent of. Get our eyes back on Jesus, because if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Step by step, loved ones. Amen? Amen. To train up the next generation of children in the Lord, the church must be a community that declares there's only one God it serves. That's where it all starts. Secondly, is the overflow it's got to be a community of demonstration of our love for God above all. And lastly, as an overflow of all of this, here it comes, here it comes, as we demonstrate that, to train up our children in the Lord, the church must be a community, here it is, that diligently instructs, that diligently instructs and teaches God's truth in all things. Question confronting us right here. God's word must be central in the uncommon community. Yes, when we gather. Hey, Asher. Yeah, buddy. When we gather. And then in our homes, right? Here it is. Is it for you? Is it for you? Let's read verses 7 to 9. You shall teach them diligently. That is the word of God, the command of God to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. The gates and doorposts were the places in the city that showed what had the authority over that place. It was posted there. All right. goes back to verse 6. See, Moses then tells the people, they are commanded not to keep the truth of God to themselves. If you are saved in Jesus Christ, you are not to keep this truth to yourself, but to ensure that it is, notice the words, whenever the Holy Spirit, when you see something, it just kind of pops out at you about how he describes, you got to stop and think, that's a pause and be like, why did he choose that word? out of everything he could have. He didn't say, you just must teach your word. Go back to the text, how does he say we're to teach them? You shall teach them diligently. We are to diligently teach our children. You know what the word diligently means there? It means to sharpen. The picture is of sharpening a weapon or a blade. You'll see it on the screen. That's what it means. To sharpen, teach diligently, sharpening them as a weapon, or a blade, or a tool, not half-hearted teaching. Ah, maybe we'll get to God's word when we get around it. We'll just watch a movie first. No, not half-hearted. It's not when I get around to it. It means to teach God's word clearly, precisely, carefully, intentionally, not half-hazardly or flippantly, to the next generation. And this is why you start to see why verses four to six make sense now. You and I have to have something going on with Jesus if we're going to be able to do this. It's not going to happen otherwise. See, you can't, because here's the truth, loved ones, you can't teach what you don't know. And you can't lead where you don't go. You can't lead your children to a greater love for the Lord if you're not growing in that. You can, you can, you can lead in a place you've never been to. Just ask Moses and Joshua that. You can't lead where you're not going. See, and how do we do this? See, because this can be, you know, the vast majority of stats, I think it's 85% of families in the church say, yes, we are the prim- we agree, we're the primary disciples of our children. But you know what? 65% of that 85% have no idea how to do it. According to the latest Barna stats of this. Now watch this. How does he do it? God tells us right here, watch, dive in. Let's go. How do we do this? Moses tells them they are to be doing this. He tells them they are to be diligent in making it an intentional part of everyday life. An intentional part to develop a biblical worldview for the next generation. To be able to have them see the news, see the movie, have the conversation but see it through the lens of God through his word it's a biblical worldview it is the call to i love this description to develop an intentional climate of conversation so it's not like okay when they get to be uh, you know 12 and we'll have the sex talk no you've developed the intentional climate of conversation you've been having talks leading to that all along piece by piece it's not one and done It's an intentional part of everyday life. And how do we do this? Well, just read the text. Let's walk. You shall teach them diligently to your children. B, right here. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. That means when you sit in your home. When you you sit in the church here. You know, when you get in your van's parents after the service, and instead of just putting the DVD player down saying... What's something that stood out for you from church today? You know what stood out for me? Having those conversations, developing the biblical worldview that, that God's word is not confined to a church building. It's in the car. It's on the way to soccer practice. It's in the school yard. It's all over the place. A climate of conversation around the dinner table and you open God's word. And here, here I love our Hope Kids ministry that we have. I love it. And one of the big things that we have right now online is there's new episodes of of a Connect HQ discipleship video walking through different aspects of God's word. Those questions, discipleship questions that we want to give you to help disciple your kids with, they go through. Victoria and I go through those every week, every single week, making sure they're exalting Jesus Christ. Your kids are getting the gospel. They're understanding how to read the Bible in context and to give you a tool to be able to help equip them and equip you. Don't forsake it. It's every day. Plug in Connect HQ and start walking through it together. It's when you're in your living room, when you're talking about their day. You know, how's your day going? Well, it's really good. Well, what happened on the schoolyard today? Well, that guy said something mean. Oh, how did that make you? And start walking to you know how Jesus views you, you're regardless of that conversation? Do you know know what God has to say about this? Do you know how, how beautiful it is that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, he gives us power to overcome evil with good? And that he'll use it to draw others to it? This is just climate of conversation, loved ones. When you go, when you walk, when you sit down and you talk with them, when you sit in your house, how, how, the, how the gospel speaks to the situation they're facing at school with their friends and you pray with them. Hey, here's another one. When, you have, when you're watching a movie, I love family movie nights. I love family movie nights. We just had one last night. Love it. First Christmas movie of the year. Uh-huh. Right, right, yeah, yeah, tis the season, come on. So here's the thing though, here's the thing, love family movie nights, but when you're watching a movie and you see something that doesn't line up with God's word, you might think, oh, my kids will think I'm so uncool. Take the remote, hit pause. And be like, okay guys, this is, this is what we do. Okay guys, you know what, what isn't lining up there? You know, I, re- I remember watching this one movie, which shall remain nameless, and and we're watching it with our fam a kids movie, and uh, I'm like, here's something, I'm like, click the button. Hey guys, why is it that they say a life of a bee is of greatest, just the same value as the life of a human? Is that what God says? No, why not? And we talk through it. Okay, let's keep going. It's just the climate of conversation. No, that's not right. No, 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 no. We're filtering what we're hearing through a biblical lens. This is just training with the everyday stuff that we do. And you may say, well, how can even that, how can that make such a difference with the onslaught of culture? Hey, remember this. I love how Martin Luther said this. The word of God is a lion. Just let it out of the cage and it'll fend for itself. But you got to let it out of the cage. One verse at a time. You say, it's just words on a page. Oh no. It's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces bone from marrow. And exposes the innermost attitudes of the heart. Let it out of the cage. Is that what God says? Remember, parents, you say, well that seems like so little. like Church? Your job, my job, is not to save the children. It's to sow. To sow into them. To lay the gospel foundation that will be cultivated by the Holy Spirit in his time and in his way. Let's take the pressure off ourselves to save and sow faithfully. And now look. So, when you sit in your home, but notice the next part of the text. And when you walk by the way, He expands on this. This is just our daily activities. Walks on the playgrounds, school pickup. And hey, can I just exhort you on something, parents? I know it gets really tiring. I know it gets really tiring. Raising up children. It's a huge role and entrustment that God has given us. But there's these beautiful things called like DVD players in vans these days. And it's so easy just to to do that and hit play and just tune out while the kids watch the show. Okay, I'm not against DVD players. We have one. However, resist the urge. Don't make it your first go-to. Talk with them. When you see them coming in, and they're like, Dad, Mom, hey, this, and you're like, and you're just, just resist. Just wait, press in, have the conversation. How's your day? Trips to the store, on the vacation, when you're babysitting, when you're sitting with kids in church. Just have the conversation. Biblical worldview. Here's another one. Notice the text, when you lie down and when you rise. That's just the first part and the last part of the day. It's just Hebrew for symbolic of every moment of the day taking each moment to instruct them in having a biblical worldview and how God's word speaks to literally everything in their lives. You say, really does it? Yes, it does. Literally everything. They have and will go through. God's word speaks to. But you can't teach what you don't know. But you have to trust that what God is doing in their lives, he's leading you. He's chosen you to instruct, him, instruct them from his word. See, here's the thing we have to understand. It's never just another moment. It's never just another car ride. It's never just another trip to the grocery store. When God's glory is on the agenda. If I could sum it up, you'll see it on the screen. It's this, every moment is a kingdom moment. Every moment is is a kingdom moment. See, and loved ones, hey, do not wait until you think children are old enough to understand. Don't do that. Don't wait until you think they're old enough to understand. And often, even as the church, we get caught thinking that the capacity of children to long for the word of God and to love the Lord is based on their height instead of the capacity of their heart that God has given. Do not wait. They have the same eternal longing put in their hearts, Ecclesiastes 3.11, as you and I do. The same one. There is no junior Holy Spirit. And I love how how Charles Haddon Spurgeon put this. You'll see it on the screen. He says, begin early to teach, for children begin early to sin. Why would you and I wait five years to let sin cultivate itself before we open God's word with children? Why? Children begin early to sin. Would you agree? Therefore, we must begin early to teach. To teach. And I love verse 8. Moses tells the people that what they must do to ensure they're ready for these opportunities. He says that we are to instruct our children by doing what with God's word? Notice the text. Binding God's word to ourselves and having it on hand. That means ready to use. Hey, hey, question. Look at our smartphone here. Right here. How many times when we have children around, whether here on a Saturday night, whether in our homes, whether with uh, whatever, in different situations. How many times do we have our phone in our hands in front of our kids and not God's word ready to be used? You know, I turned to my boy this morning who was reviewing the sermon with me and I said, does daddy do that? He says, yes, dad, there are times I feel like you don't care about me. I had to repent. There's no condemnation from that, but I don't want my kids thinking they're less valuable than a smartphone. Do you? Take the moment for the kingdom. Take it for the kingdom. Every moment's a kingdom moment. And have God's word ready to use on our minds in a place of perpetual remembrance from our time we spend. That's the frontlets. It's called phylacteries. Even today, you'll see Jewish people with boxes of scripture verses. This is one of them, on the front of their eye, in the front of their foreheads. It's they're taking that literally, so we can speak readily to the situations that arise. And you may say this, as we close out here. You may say this. Well, Pastor Ray, this is really easy for you to say, because you've been to seminary. You're a pastor. That's really easy for you. I don't have any theological education. I'm just getting in God's word for myself. Can I just encourage you with this, church? We're not talking about exegeting Leviticus on the van ride home. Like, honestly, we're not talking about putting your kids to bed and running through the Romans road with them. Some of you are like, what's that? I get it. That's why we're not talking about it. All right? But here's the reality. We're talking like this. Ready? Here's, here's some encouraging illustrations for us. You're on a walk with them. And you see a bird. And you say, hey, kids, look, there's a bird. Do you know who made the bird? Do you know that in Matthew 6, Jesus says, he provides for those sparrows and they don't think about storing up for the way or where their next meal's coming from, but he makes sure they're provided for. And how much more does he love you and will provide for all of your needs? As he said, my God will provide for all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4:19. through the gospel. Isn't that awesome? Look at the birds. Why would we be anxious about anything? Or this one, or this one, one of my favorites. You're walking along, you're walking along, you're with your kids, whatever, and you look up in the sky and you just see clouds. I used to be a science teacher, so I love studying clouds. Love clouds. And so we get up there and we're walking the street and I'm like, hey guys, did you know the book of Nahum says that the clouds are the dust of God's feet? Awesome. That's awesome! Look at, look at all the dust he's kicking up. And then, or, or it just gets, it gets even better. You can say, I was out there in, 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 our, in our driveway the other day with our binoculars, with two of my boys at night. And we had, we were looking at the moon, look at all the stars coming out. And there we were, probably should have had our coats on, whatever, but we didn't. And so here we are looking at all these stars. And I said, guys, it's magnificent. Isaiah 40, 26, that God calls them all out by name and holds them in place that not one is missing. How awesome is our God? Biblical worldview. Or you could say this, you know, there's even a baby being delivered in our church, in our ch- one of our families in our church, like right now. So cool, we're preaching on this right now. There's a baby being delivered in one of our couples in our church, literally right now. And it's like, it's like, hey, why do we value children so much? Because of the sanctity of life. They are fearfully and wonderfully made, and so are you. Climate of conversation. Super, and I want to encourage you with this. Supernatural acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. I'll say it again. It's so important. We've got to think, oh, I've got to have the right words. Supernatural acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. In his power. Let the lion out of the cage. And it will fend for itself. God's word must be central in the uncommon community. Is it for you? In your life? In your home? In this church? The church is to be a place of diligent instruction of God's word. What is your next step to having it be? Praying for these kids. We're about to do that. Praying for these children. Investing in them. Even tonight. When you see the kids running around, don't just kind of meander past them as if they're a bother. Just like this. Get down. Get down. How are you? How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Get down with them. Talk with them. Diligent instruction. Mentoring. Serving and hope kids. Serve and hope, get sign up to serve. Because here's the thing we need to be clear on. If we give our children to the world, don't be surprised when they look like it. If we give our children over to the world, you disciple them. Don't be surprised when they look like it. Deceived, confused, hating, angry, prideful, purposeless, hopeless, You'll see it on the screen. If we don't disciple our children, the world will. If we don't disciple them, the world will. And our mandate, as we saw tonight, is to instruct them in God's revelation and not to give them over to the cultural revolution. But to instruct them in God's revelation. Revelation. And you may say, I can't do this, it's too hard. And you know what? You're right if you're trying on your own. Remember though, loved one, God will not command from you what he's not first willing to do in you. And he sent us his only son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, fully God, fully man. And fulfilled, just look at our outline tonight. That's Jesus. He lived a life of perfect allegiance to God the Father. He displayed a perfect love for him at all times. And he diligently instructed the truth about him. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and rose again three days later so that all who repent of their sin and confess him alone as Lord and Savior will have forgiveness of sin, be saved from eternity in hell and given eternal life with him and will be given the power, love, wisdom, strength, and grace now to live faithfully for him when we draw near to him and call on his name. This is the glorious truth of the gospel that will not fail. Amen? So here's, here's how we're going to respond tonight. Two ways. The first one is, we're going to go to a time of corporate prayer for our children. Corporate prayer for children. Corporate prayer for families. Corporate prayer for us as a church that we would take this call seriously and not just nod our heads in agreement and then walk out the door and nothing changes. And the second thing is this. Loved ones, loved ones, Will you stand with this church to train up the next generation in the deeds of the Lord? Will you hear the mandate of Jesus Christ? There's a sign up sheet right out those doors. Victoria is right there. Hope Kids needs people to step in and see this mandate fulfilled even if you're already serving in another ministry, when you get before the Lord, and before you leave tonight, just hear the call of God. Sign up on there. Just put your name, email, phone number, and we'll just be in touch. Don't worry about anything else at this point. Just say, I'm willing to stand. I'm willing to take that step. Those who aren't serving right now, this is the call out. You've just heard it. This is our entrustment right there. And what happens here tonight is going to go a long way to what happens to Hope Kids in the new year. Will you hear the call of God and respond, or will we be silent? Let's get into groups, and we're going to take five minutes to pray and just call on the Lord, and let's repent of our apathy towards children, our complacency, and then let's ask God, right from our outline tonight, we're going to pray right through that. Ask God to train up a generation that fears his name. Amen? Let's go. Let's roll it. Next five. Christ, it is so so right that we pray. It is so right that we stand. God, forgive us when we have been silent in training up the next generation. I pray tonight would be such a turning point in this church, Lord. I can't do this. We can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, will you compel us to obedience right now? Would you compel us to obedience? Not because, well, oh, I guess I have to, but out of a growing love for you and a burden to see the next generation raised up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Oh Lord, I pray on behalf of every one of these children represented here and those watching online right now, that not one would be lost. Not one, Lord, even now you would be using this word to be drawing them in affection to you, Jesus Christ. And you would have your way in and through us. Oh, Lord, find us faithful that you would be all to us and that the the cry of generation after generation after generation would be the same, that Jesus, you are all to us. Glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, will you stand and respond?